Is there a difference for, you know, black person, white person in business? Have you noticed? I've never been African American, so I can't <laughs> say for sure. <laughs> that's all right, I didn't expect that. That's that's a good one. Um, but I will say this. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of people I've seen. You know, you hear stories, whatever. But somebody gets out of a nice car and they'll say, "Well, well you assume I'm a rapper because I'm mm-hmm. African American, black, sure. or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or an athlete, or whatever." Mm-hmm. Well, people said that to you, and so you came up with a clothing line. <laughs> so some people get angry. Some yeah, people yeah. find a solution. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna run the yeah. play. Let's Do you go. know what it's like to come from nothing at all? But every day you just wanting it all. All right, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Justin Owens. Welcome to the Run and Play Show. I'm excited because, you know, as you guys know, in the show, we want to teach you different plays when it comes to leadership and business and communication. And I've got the honor to have one of my good friends, also a mentor of mine, uh, my entire life that's really helped me uh, since an early age. Uh, he owns a company called Applicant Starter, lives here in Atlanta, Georgia. Y'all good for my guest, Brad Park. How you feeling? Oh, great. Thanks for having me, Justin. Man, I'm glad to be here, man. You know, this is like a... It's like cool setup. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, put some time and energy and effort into it. But you know, glad you could bless us and be on the be on the stage. And My pleasure. I appreciate it. Talk about some plays. The offer. Absolutely. So let's jump into it. You know, we kind of alluded to it a little early, but I gotta ask you, you know. You know, obviously, I'm African American. I don't know if you noticed that. And you know you're on the lighter side. <laughs> <laughs> but is, is there a difference, right? You know, as a as a Caucasian, white person in, in business, African-American, black, however you want to say it. Is there a difference for, you know, black person, white person in business? Have you noticed? I've never been African-American, so I can't <laughs> say for sure. <laughs> that's, all right, I didn't expect that. That's, that's a good one. Um, but I will say this. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of people I've seen, you know, you hear stories, whatever, but somebody gets out of a nice car and they'll say, well, well you assume I'm a rapper because I'm, African-American, black, sure. or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or an athlete or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, people said that to you, and so you came up with a clothing line. <laughs> so some people get angry. Some yeah, people yeah. find a solution. Yeah, yeah. I that's, think that's real. everybody's got obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, some are more than others. Yeah. So what I always tell people, and I told my kids this too, because you you got a daughter. Yeah. Your kids, they say, oh, it's not fair. Well, good you learn that now, because life has never been fair yeah. and will never be fair. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it isn't fair, you got to see if you can tilt it your way. And it might be harder for you than mm-hmm. another person. Yeah. Then realize that, suck it up, and get going. Yeah, no, that's real. Yeah, you're right because that's definitely been kind of like in in every challenge. There's always an opportunity. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, it's your your gift is to to be able to recognize it and then find a way to you know capitalize on it. Um, we were talking about um, hiring, right? Because you know you. You have a company that helps people with hiring and recruiting, and Absolutely. you know I'm sure we'll talk about that. But you've probably hired more people than most people can ever imagine. Probably, <laughs> you probably fired more people, but you you did it in a way that you know initially I know starting out it was 100% commission. Yes. And I think to be able to build, you know, large organizations, you had you know offices all around the you know country, um, and so like what. What was that process like? How do you build an organization, a company around somebody just being 100% commission when some people can't even build a company when they're paying people? Yeah, you pay them 60 grand a year and they don't show up on Tuesday because they didn't feel like it. <laughs> and it's in a weird way place right now. This pandemic's caused this whole thing where there's you know two jobs for every person looking for a job. So then people are going, well, how do I get people? Mm-hmm. So part of it is always be looking. Mm-hmm. One of the key components of being a, a strong CEO or building a large organization or a good organization is always be looking for the next person because there's more A players than you realize. But if you're only looking when you need to hire, you're going to miss them. Wow. So you got to maintain a flow of people so that you're hiring the right people. Yeah. Uh, in my career, I've been in business of uh, recruiting, hire, training, salespeople, mentoring people, mm-hmm. 31 years. I've personally done over 50,000 interviews. Wow. Now, because of that, when I see somebody that I'm about to to interview, I probably know whether I'm going to hire them before they open <laughs> their mouth. Wow, yeah. Just because, I mean, think about, not to compare myself to Jordan because that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But when he dribbles a ball, he feels it. He doesn't have to see it. He feels it. Yeah. He feels every detail of that ball mm-hmm. because he's done it so many times. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think about it anymore. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. So when you're hiring people... People don't want to hire the wrong person, but they hire the best person in the pool that they have to work from. Hmm. And sometimes that best person's still the wrong person. Yeah. So get a bigger pool. Yeah, 
I like that. And sometimes people just, they don't realize, like, you, you got to, sometimes the answer is spend more money. Yeah. I had a client not long ago, a good friend of mine, and he's like, I'm, you know, spending $600 a month. I'm not getting the people. And he said, well, spend 1800 And he did two weeks later. He said, hey, that worked. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. now you got a bigger pool to work from, and you're going to find people you like. Mm -hmm. And that's a key component, because every business is a recruiting business. Yeah, it is. Every single business. Yeah. If you own a pizza place, you better make sure the person answering that phone is good at answering the phone mm -hmm. and taking an order, because that's the first person your customer talked to. Yeah. person making the making the pizzas better be able to cook. If you recruited and hired a bad cook, you got bad pizzas, the person on the phone doesn't matter anymore because nobody wants your pizza. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's real. So... Let's continue that conversation, right? Because now we're talking about hiring. And I think one of the things a lot of people don't really talk about is firing people. Like, and, and that's the skill. Because I don't know if you remember, uh, you know, we, we had a call center and I fired somebody. And I don't know if you remember, he went ballistic in the office and almost wanted to yeah, fight yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you were like, uh, hey, come over here to my office. Yeah. I got to show you how to do this so yeah. people don't hate you. That's you not know? the right way. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know. I was like, listen, bro, you're gone. Yeah. Um, we're not going to need your services anymore. You're not good at this. Yeah. And, was like, <laughs> and he literally wanted to fight me. And I was like, I wasn't I wasn't ready for that. So, like, what's what's the the psychology or process when it's like, all right, this is now how I have that firing conversation. What's your process? Right. Well, first thing is, it shouldn't be a surprise. Mm -hmm. There's got to be warnings. you got to let them know, hey, this is unacceptable. you got to let them know that they're being told what they can and can't do because they deserve that. Yeah. you know, got to know when they're doing something wrong. they got to know when they're doing something right. Yeah. Um, you got to make sure you document it, mm -hmm. keep tabs in it. And then it all, no matter if you do all that right, you still have to treat them a certain way. Because mm -hmm. people who do a bad job, especially if they do it bad enough, you have to actually fire them. Yeah. They're not like coming in, I quit because apparently I'm not good at this. Yeah. Something's going on. It's either permanent, temporary, or personal or something, but something's going on. There's a reason they're doing a bad enough job that you're like, you got to go. Yeah. But how you say it and empathy really matters. So it's not telling me to do a bad jobs like, hey, it's not working out. Yeah. It's almost like getting rid of a girl. It's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I it's just it's me. It's yeah. all me. I'm I feel bad about that, but it's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I always make sure I try to make them feel as good about themselves as possible. I will give you a reference. I will support you in who I can. There's a big world out there. This isn't the end for you. This is a new beginning. Hmm. And invariably, you have certain people who want to fight for their job, and God bless them. If they had fought for their job and doing their job, then we wouldn't be here. <laughs> this is true. So I've coined a phrase. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry the decision's already been made. Mm. Now, I've only ever had to say that three times. Yeah. And the th one person who I had to go three times, they said, oh, well, if it's been made, okay, and they left. Now, I'm the one who made the decision. Mm -hmm. And I could have changed my mind, but I won't. Yeah. Because... I have in the past. Mm -hmm. When I was early on in business in the first few years, there's times I had that person that's like, okay, I'll give you another chance. It's never worked out, always gets worse, always bad, always terrible, doesn't work. If you get to the point where you've made the decision you have to get rid of that person, mm -hmm. hold your line. Because yeah. if you go back, it's all bad. Yeah. And it might be, you, somebody oh, might send you a message, hey, he's wrong, I did it once, mm -hmm. and it worked. Okay, yeah. but it failed 99 times. Yeah. So the one victory is not worth the 99 failures. Yeah. So. Trust me when I tell you, when you made that decision, pulled the line. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because, you know, obviously now, you you know, you've had, you've done both ways. You, the payroll route and then 100% commission. So, you're even saying when somebody's 100% commission, you still got to let people go. Absolutely. I started 100% commission. And that's what business is. Mm -hmm. All business is either 100% commission or I got to pay all these bills and then I get paid. So, that's even harder. Yeah. You know, if you've got a, a business doing a million a year, you might have seven hundred thousand dollars in bill. Yeah. Then you get to keep the three hundred, but if the million becomes seven hundred, you might not keep anything. Yeah, that's true. So it doesn't matter whether how a person gets paid. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact of the matter is, they're supposed to be providing a service, doing a certain job, and if that job is not being done properly, then somebody's suffering. Mm -hmm. Everybody else in the organization is suffering. Mm -hmm. So if there's eight people in the company. And somebody's doing customer service and they don't treat the customer properly. Yeah. Well, you're going to lose business, which means somebody has to go. Mm -hmm. That's not okay. Yeah. If that person's in charge of shipping, like say somebody's shipping your your uh, your clothing line. Mm -hmm. If they don't ship it to the right person at the right time when they're supposed to, yeah. well, they're hurting everybody in the business. Mm -hmm. And if everybody in the business gets hurt because of the one person who's not doing their job the right way, that's not fair to all the people doing it right. right. What you have then is everybody takes a step down. 
Now nobody's doing that great a job. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the business goes to business and everybody's unemployed. Yeah, yeah. So typically, when you see a problem, if you address the problem, they'll either improve or self-select or you get to a point where you have to ask them to leave. Just do it politely. Yeah, I like that. And it's, it's also like a part of like, you know, um, having those difficult or like critical conversations, which that's kind of tough sometimes too, which is it's a weird dynamic, but... I remember you had me read the book, uh, Crucial Conversations, Tips for Talking yeah. When the Stakes Are High, right? Because it's like, you know, these can be tough situations. And also what we were just talking about is like if somebody's not even performing in that environment, they don't feel good about themselves. Like nobody no. likes to suck, no. you know? But like what are some things you found? Because, you know, sometimes those are those critical, tough conversations that have to be had. How is there anything that helps you Adjust, like address those conversations straight on or like okay this is this is my mindset going to those tough conversations because a lot of people run away from those they avoid them like the plague because mm-hmm. it's really difficult it's uncomfortable yeah um i just put it out in the middle it's a time, hey this we're about to have an uncomfortable conversation <laughs> okay i like that yep. what do they say it's like okay now they're ready yeah all right and then you explain they know it's not like where people run into trouble is the only conversation they've ever had a person is when they're about to have a critical conversation. They've had no other discussion with them ever. Yeah. They maybe work for them and they sit there and they say hi on the way in and they never actually talk to them. So if you don't know your people, mm-hmm. then the critical conversation is very difficult. Yeah. But if you know them, you can have a difficult conversation and it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's a little worse because you actually have an emotional connection. Yeah. But... If you're true to your heart and who you are and who they are, and you value them as a human, mm-hmm. then you can have a really good conversation. Yeah. And the, if your intent, your thinking, if your intent is to help that person, then it'll come across the right way. If your intent is to be the boss, it's probably going to come along the wrong way because yeah. you aren't listening to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And dot dot and finger pointing and down. That's always yeah. the good one. Finger yeah. pointing down. <laughs> Always good. Yeah. Just stand over them. Yeah. That's great. We love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes that. Yeah. Zero people like that. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. Mm-hmm. And really understand where the person's coming from. And you're there to help. Yeah. That's our position is, as people who either employ people, lead people, are in charge of people's um, uh, employment life, yeah. Yeah. your job is to help them. Yeah. I like that. So... You know, at some point, obviously, you crossed over and you started doing extremely well financially, right? And so you, you go from this place of not having a lot to actually having a surplus. But then with that comes opportunities. Absolutely. Right? And it's and it's like, you know, every day it's like there's something to invest into, something to do. Two-part question. Well, probably three parts when I think about it. Best investment you ever made, worst investment you ever made, and how do you now go about deciding what you're going to take on, what you're going to invest into? Okay. Um, best investment ever made mm-hmm. was in myself. It's mm-hmm. learning, growing, becoming better at what I do, who I am, etc. Whether that's a time investment or a finance investment, uh, my wife and I probably spend fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year on development. Wow. Um, Even this important. Point. Yeah. Well, you, wow. you stop improving, you stop. Yeah. How long have you been an entrepreneur, by the way? Just throw this out. 31 years. And you're still investing 50000 $60,000. Absolutely. No question. I mean, I've been to Tony Robbins events. You Listen, there's all kinds of them. Yeah. Um, and they're all good. You'll get something out of it. Yeah. Over time, you get less and less and less. It becomes more and more important. Yeah. But it's still important. Mm-hmm. Worst investment ever, I executive produced a movie. <laughs> okay. Our, my wife and I talked for 15 minutes. We wrote a check for half a million dollars and lost every penny. Every penny. None came back, but we hired Bill Murray. That's what the money was for, to hire Bill Murray for the movie. Yeah. So I can legitimately say I hired Bill Murray. Wow. Well, legitimately. I slid over a little bit. It was our <laughs> money that did it. So I think- Was the funny. movie good? Get Low. Yeah, it was great. Okay. It had great- Sissy Spacek was in it. I mean, it had some great yeah. characters in it. Um, it just it didn't have a lot of money behind it at all. Hmm. But it was a great movie. Yeah. I, I love the experience, but- um, we didn't make any money. So from an investment perspective, yeah. not a good investment. Yeah. Okay. And then what do I do now? Mm-hmm. I'm super careful. Yeah. I move slow. And I make sure I understand the industry. Okay. That's so good. before I just thought, well, people are doing this, so I'll go do this. Right. But they understand this. I understand mm-hmm. that. So right. I just do that. Yeah. And I try to focus on what I have at least an semblance of understanding of. Mm-hmm. I also look at things differently. I never used to do macro and micro 
um, in evaluating situations. So for example, uh, I used to own a lot of real estate. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody makes money in real estate, right? Yeah. No. People, whatever anybody can make money doing, people can lose money doing it. And I've done that. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of real estate in 2008. Mm -hmm. Bad time to have a lot of real estate. <laughs> so I learned that that doesn't work yeah. for me. So um, I make sure I align macro and micro. So now I've been focused on recruiting for quite some time. Well, helping companies hire right now versus what do companies need right now? Well, they need help hiring. Yeah. So the micro, meaning what I'm doing, the macro, what's the country of the world need, are both aligned. Yeah. That's when things work out. That's good, that's good. We talked about firing. Any, any tips, because I know you said you can almost tell now, you know, you know if it's somebody that's, that's got a shot. Anything you look for initially in the conversation with somebody when you are hiring? Absolutely. First thing I do go, is I go out and shake their hand. Mm -hmm. I said, how are things going today? And unless they say something positive, I won't hire them. If the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, traffic was terrible, I don't hire that person. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how tall they are. I don't care if they're a perfect fit. I don't care if their resume says they came from Harvard. I don't care. Yeah. The first thing out of their mouth was complaining. That's it. That's the first thing I look for. And the rest was, how do they show up? You know, if people shows up, show up with their family for an interview, that's not going to work. Just because you just showed me, like, you show, if you, they bring a friend, that's not going to work. Like, they got to be able to walk in the room for an interview by themselves. Wow, I like that. How they dress matters. They don't have to be wearing the perfect suit, but they got to show they put in some effort yeah. to how they got dressed. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's wherever you, it depends on the job. Like, mm -hmm. if it's a construction job, they should be clean. Yeah. You know, it mm -hmm. just, there's variables. Sure. But the first thing I ask is, I want to check their attitude. I like that. Because their attitude's going to determine what they do in the, in the big scheme of things. Wow. Yeah, that's an intangible. I mean, it's a tangible, but something you don't even think about, like that you first question. you got to listen for it. Yeah. Because, and that's the thing. There's a lot of really skilled people who don't do a thing. And there's a lot of people who have no skills who figure it out. Yeah. I'd rather work with a person with very few skills who can figure it out mm -hmm. than the person who's skilled and comes to me all the time and says, yeah, I don't do that, or I don't know how to do that. Right. I don't want to hear, I don't know how to do that, and I don't want to hear, it's not my job. Yeah. I want to hear, I don't know how to do it yet. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of the rules they have in the Navy. If you bring a problem to a superior officer, you also have to have a, a recommendation for a solution. It can be wrong, yeah. but you got to take a shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's pretty solid. Favorite comedian of all time? Dude, that's hard. <laughs> Super hard. So I was checking into a hotel days in. So it was a long time ago. And mm. I don't really love the days in. Yeah. No disrespect yeah. to days in. <laughs> um, but I'm checking in a hotel, and Chris Rock was playing in the lobby. Mm -hmm. I never heard of Chris Rock before. Yeah. And it was his original one, um, uh, Bring the Pain. Yeah. So I'm listening. I'm listening half it out of my ear. And I'm like, what is this guy? This is funny. Yeah. So I run up to the room, and this is pre- streaming and mm -hmm. all this other stuff. So I caught the end of it, yeah, which was great. Mm -hmm. So when I get home, I go buy the DVD. For those of you who don't know what DVD is, <laughs> um, it's a little disc that you put in and watch a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could pause it. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I wore that DVD out. And I watched it so many times that I couldn't watch it anymore. So I invite people over to watch it with me. Yeah. Because then they're laughing for the first time and I get to laugh with them again. Yeah. So he's the one I've seen the most. Okay. But like before it. him, it would have been Eddie Murphy. Okay. Yeah, because, well, Delirious was just ridiculous. Yeah, like, was... nobody could do that. Yeah, no. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was a beast at it. He was... I just, nobody could do that. Yeah. It was just new. Mm -hmm. it, and that's why it's had such a career and everything else. But, yeah. um, so those are two that's, that step out the most. Yeah. I like Kevin Hart. He's, he's definitely oh, my he's favorite. Uh, and then probably within the last, probably two years, Dave Chappelle has really grown on me. So I've seen J Dave Chappelle live, and it's funny. I went. To, I was working out at the Four Seasons in mm -hmm. Atlanta, and he was there. And it was pre um, Dave Chappelle took a step back, and it was pre Dave Chappelle worked out. And yeah. so he was working out, but it was like working up and out. He was walking around with four liters of water and going from thing to thing and yeah. not really doing anything. Mm -hmm. And then we went to a show that night, and it wasn't that good. Mm -hmm. He didn't say things that were funny. He said, well, isn't that interesting? This is interesting. It's not funny, but it's interesting. I was like, well, I came here for funny. Yeah. So I didn't love the show, but yeah. I liked Dave Chappelle. Mm -hmm. His show was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I watched him when the uh, Netflix, where he did that special, yeah. and all these people were mad at him mm -hmm. and they're, you know, cutting him and quitting him and all that stuff. So I'm like, sat down. I was like, well, I want to see what this is about. Mm -hmm. 
That's the best Chappelle show I ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, he has really come back, and he's always been funny. He's been good yeah. at writing, acting, mm-hmm. etc. And he comes at things from a very unique yeah. angle. He's got a great storytelling ability. Yeah, so good. But that show was as good as I've ever seen him, and I think he he left to evolve as a person. Yeah. So even though he'd been incredibly, think about how successful he was, very successful. Yeah. And then he left, and he came back better. Yeah, he did. And I think that's because he had to go get right with him. Yeah. That's my guess. I can't yeah. put words in his mouth, but I think that's what it was. Yeah. Because he didn't feel good about who he was. Yeah. And he came in. Oh, it looks great, and he's mm-hmm. doing better than ever. And people quit him, and he didn't care. Yeah. So that's good. I think that's what he should be. Yeah. I have a question, right? Like leadership question, is so as you're building a team, you've got to care about people, and you've got to build those relationships with them. I think that's one of the things that's really important. People know that you care, obviously, then, then they care about you and everything you got going on a lot more. Is there a fine line between like, all right, I do want to get to know you. I do want to build a relationship, but like, I don't know, like sometimes maybe you get too close and then there's a loss of respect or, you know, I don't know. What's your philosophy on like, okay, we're working together. Let's build a relationship. But like, how far do you take it? How, how far do you not take it? What's your, what's your thoughts? Depends kind of relationship. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. So, if I'm working with somebody, I'm trying to mentor them, guide them, and help them in business, then uh, we can have a personal relationship too. Mm-hmm. But you can't have a relationship that um, isn't upfront, isn't real, mm-hmm. and uh, is hypocritical. Yeah. So you and I can't talk together about how we operate, how to do things ethically, and so on and so forth, and then I take you out and we rob a bank. Right. Then that's not going to work. Or you talk about you know being in the right mindset, getting your life together, and then I go get high. Yeah. Like there's certain things they have to, there has to be synergy. Yeah. So what you say has to be backed by what you do. Mm-hmm. There's a saying, I don't think I came up with it, but I use it a lot. Your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. I like that, yeah. So where people get into trouble is they want to hang out, party, make, the, make that relationship, but it's not a real relationship. Yeah. It's a hanging out for beers relationship. Yeah. And I don't mind going up with somebody for some drinks or something, mm-hmm. but the core of it has to be more than that. Sure, yeah. Because um, you can always be thinking, like, you're, you're building a relationship, but inside they may be losing respect for you. Like, yeah. this guy's, he's out of here. He's, and I've seen that people, they get drunk or they do too much, and I'm like, or they, they start drinking or smoking or something, and they get into it with somebody, I'm like, bro, you're, you've done the opposite of what you were trying to build up. Doing shots or who, who know, yeah. whatever. You just... You're not walking the walk. Yeah. You're not doing what you say you're going to do and needs to happen. Yeah. And people pick up on that. Now, stupid people don't, and that's the problem. They'll stick around forever. Yeah. But smart people pick up on that, and you're like, this is not the right move for me. Yeah. And they got to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And they should feel comfortable. Sure. And they should all come together as a complete package. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there has to be a separation of church and state or anything like that. I have people I work with to my home. Mm-hmm. I have, I go to people's homes. Like, I don't, I think that's the way it needs to be. It's yeah. a real relationship. It should be, yeah. But it's mutual respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the way it needs to work. And it's just treating people properly. Yeah. You, you told me this. Uh, he was like, Justin, and it obviously it didn't necessarily apply to me, but it did, right? I, I still hold it on to it, and I teach it to people now, but you said, uh, don't stick your pen in company ink, right? And it's like, you know, like if, if you have a company or whatever, you, you probably shouldn't get intimate or somebody, like with somebody that works for you or something like that. Where did that philosophy come from? You've seen it go wrong, right? What, what's It mostly goes wrong. Yeah. Almost always goes wrong. Um, and because somebody evolves, somebody doesn't, somebody's feelings are hurt, somebody takes the money or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it happens. Yeah, it does, yeah. You know? um, and my wife and I worked together mm-hmm. for years. Yeah. But we were in kind of different groups. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't closely. But it still created friction for us. Now, we're the anomaly. We both excelled. I know one other couple who did the same thing. Every other couple I've seen is imploded. Wow. Like, what, what do you feel like? I mean, if there, I, I don't. I hate to say, what's the secret, right? But, but like, what have you seen something that helps that to work? Um, well, I'm only two of us, so I just think it's an anomaly. Um, <laughs> the reality is, this, and I say this to people all the time because they're like, "I'm going to go open up a company. My wife's going to be my partner, or she's going to do this, and I'm going to do this." I'm like, "Well, if you love her, I love my wife, but do you want to be side by side, twenty four seven? Yeah. And also from a simply pragmatic point of view, if you're opening a new company per se Mm -hmm. and you're running it, don't you want a separate income that's not affected by that to help hedge your bets? Because you might have a dip. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, she might have revenue that helps uh, you survive the dip and then you thrive later. Or vice versa. If she's opening the company, maybe you need to be over there. Wow, that's good. Yeah, you want to... You got to focus, mm-hmm. but if you if you're new and you're just getting started, you want that revenue protected. Yeah, because new revenue is new revenue. When you're mm-hmm. a startup, you have to consider every expense and honor every bit of revenue. Yeah. And do the best you can to do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's actually there's really people good. who make it work, but it's yeah. just rare. Mm-hmm. And it does happen, but it's rare. And it depends the kind of business. It's high stress, high level, um, and if the the significant other who's you know, with the person um, who's opening the company or running the company, they got to be able to handle somebody being in charge. Yeah. And that can't be both. Yeah. Not at the same time. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Because I know we do have, like, people that watch, they're in business together with their spouse or, you know, um, but how do you cut it off, right? Like, how do I say um, if we have a problem at the office, we have a problem at work, now we're home. Is there a conversation you say, okay, we leaving this at the house? Or like, what do you? Well, you don't want to have a conversation while it's hot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the type of thing. So my wife and I, here's a discussion we had. We were working together. And uh, I was in a leadership role. She was in a leadership role. Not quite as high, but still both pretty high. And she would come to me with a, a thing. So as in business, when she came to me with a problem, she wanted a solution. Yeah. As her husband, which came to me with problems, she wanted me to shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. So we, when we were not in the middle of something, we sat down and had a discussion. So look, when you have a problem, we want us to discuss it. You got to tell me if you want your husband or the person in business. That's and then cool. I'll operate accordingly. Mm-hmm. So after that, I'd say, look, I want my husband. I said, all right. I just shut up mm-hmm. and I'd listen. Yeah. And then if she wanted a solution, we'd talk about it and come up with a good solution. Mm-hmm. But we had to come up with a, a, an agreement, not while it was happening. That's good. Because yeah. that's not the time to come up with an agreement. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, relationships and business, how important are they to you? Imperative. Yeah. I believe, so in our previous businesses that we've been in, they always said, you know, this is a people helping people business. <laughs> yeah. It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> yeah. All business is people helping people. Yeah. If somebody you're doing business with doesn't have any intent on helping you, why would you do business with them? Yeah. I don't mm. care what it is. Mm. Yeah. Like, I don't expect people to ask us to recruit for them unless they believe we will do what we can to help their business. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. If you own a pizza shop, you better know the guy who delivers the boxes. Yeah. Because when it's Super Bowl Sunday and you have no boxes, you ain't selling any pizzas. Mm-hmm. What you can do walk around with your hands, you're done. Yeah. So you gotta make sure you know your drivers because if they don't show up, you also have a bad day. Mm-hmm. Like all these things that occur happen because relationships exist because people work for each other. Yeah. There's three levels of dependence in the world that most people never get to level three. Some people never get to level two. The first level everybody gets, dependence. Yeah. We've all been there 100%, no human can go by that because you are birthed, you can't even eat. Yeah. You need help. Yeah. We all strive for independence. Get away from your parents, live on your own, pay your own rent, pay your own way, get away, don't move home, Yep. right? And I'm, I fought for independence. Mm-hmm. But success lives in interdependence. When two, three, or four people, success is dependent upon each other, then you can really accomplish something because you can multiply your efforts. Yeah. If it's just you, you can't excel. When you've got a group of people working together, you can do anything. I like that. That's really good because it's like uh, I was talking to uh, somebody recently and they were talking about they wanted to go in partnership with someone because they wanted it was like, oh, you know, everybody can they can do a little bit. I can do a little bit. I was like, my thoughts is like, look, you need to get a lot of people together, a couple people together and everybody's going 100 percent and everybody's going hard. And it's, it's kind of like what you're saying is because now it's like it becomes this thing where it has to work and everybody's mindset, energy, and effort is on making that thing work. Absolutely. Otherwise, it doesn't work because some people, you know, get into business and entrepreneurship with the right, with the wrong mentality. Which brings me to my next question. I have a lot of people that are like, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't like sales. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say to that person? Good luck. <laughs> the reality is in business, if you run a business, you're selling. Yeah. And some level. Now, that doesn't mean you're necessarily knocking on doors or cold calling or whatever, mm-hmm. but you're doing business development, you're creating new partnerships. You have to sit down with people and sell that you are a worthy 
a, a partner on yeah. some level. Mm -hmm. So you got to be able to sell yourself. And also, you can't build a team unless they believe in you too. Well, that's all sales is, yeah. is people believing in you. Yeah. Now, here's the reason people say they don't like sales. They don't like being told no. And their version of a person doing sales is a person who's convincing somebody or shady about what they're doing. That's truly a horrible salesperson. Yeah. There's an old, old saying. They're so good at sales, they could sell ice to an Eskimo. Yeah. That's a horrible salesperson. I love firing those people. I still do it politely, but I love firing those people because <laughs> they're no good. They're a bad human. Yeah. And if people, like you, the whole idea is just simply providing a service, provide the solution that somebody's looking for and just give them that. Yeah. And if you don't have that, let them know you don't have that. Mm -hmm. Maybe you know somebody who does. Yeah. Refer them to that person because you don't have it. Don't make what you have work. Find out what they need and see if what, you have what they need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, like sales, you know, we've done the door-to-door. -door, we've done the over-the-phone. I mean, Phone, in-person, in internet, person. everything. There, there's so many skills that come from that. I think in a sense that is, like for me, that was kind of like, my college for entrepreneurship because it's like you know door-to-door -door sales so it's like you know somebody just slams the door you first okay that didn't go well so you yeah. get instant feedback absolutely it's like you know social media like you post something you see what people say but but like door-to-door right. -door on the phone is like it's instant like okay that was a bad opener let me let me try that again i'm gonna say that again <laughs> you know and, and then you you start getting better and i think that's a lot of that's necessary for the other conversation that you end up having you know where where it comes to firing people when it comes to like leading with people it's like you learn how to make those adjustments from those one-to-one -one, you know conversations with selling so i think it's it's, it's huge and it always bothers me when people say like i don't want to sell but i want to run a business i'm like but that is what it is like you you have to sell you have to drive revenue and if you don't those businesses aren't going to last long because no and if you're uh the sort of introvert that just does not work well with people, get a partner. Yeah. Find somebody who wants to just talk to people full time. Yeah. And, you know, like we we're talking about some friends of mine, they just don't, they can't be embarrassed. That's yeah. a great salesperson. Yeah. Because uh, they can still have, you know, ethics and morality yeah. and all that stuff, but they just don't get embarrassed. Yeah. So yeah. have them go. Yeah. I like that. And, uh, you know, I think you do like sales, especially when you start getting the results of sales. Everybody <laughs> likes results. That's like saying, I don't work, like working out. But you have a six pack and yeah. you look great. Well, yeah. clearly you've figured out that you do like working yeah, out. No. You don't like working out, you like the results. Yeah. So what you do is fall in love with the results. And if you want to be successful, decide you need to be successful. Because if you want something, you may or may not get it. Mm -hmm. But if you need something, you'll find a way to get it because you have to have it, you need it. You know, if, you're, if you want to buy a new computer, and it's 1400 bucks. You may or may not come up with 1400 bucks over the next 12 weeks. Yeah. But if you need to pay rent and you're 700 short and you got three days, yeah. you find a way to get 700 bucks because yeah. you need it. Fast, yeah. And there's a difference. Mm -hmm. You act differently, you operate differently. I have on my mirror right now, I have the word need and it's circled. I like that. And I do that because I have to remind myself I still have to need or I can go back to want and chill, Right. but then I'm not gonna create anything new. Yeah. And I want to create new because I got kids staring at me, but also that's what's fun. Yeah. Creating, creating something that didn't exist a year ago, five years ago, six months ago. Yeah. It like inspires having, the soul. It's like having that, that hunger, that drive to yeah. still be willing to go hunt. You got to stoke your own fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how do you do that when you, because at this point you, you've done extremely well. You know, you and your wife have built great businesses, but like there was a boxer, he told me one time, he said, Justin, it's something called a quarter million dollar year curse. He said, here's what happens. When you make a quarter million dollars, there's almost nothing you can't buy. He said, for the most part, you can do, you know, you can go on a trip, you can do the stuff you want to do. And he said, what you have to do is when the, how do you say, he said, when the refrigerator is full, you have to ground like it's empty, right? Otherwise, you'll go, you, you can end up going back to what it is that you came from. Like, now that you've been doing it for multiple decades, what drives you at this point? Like, what was like? All right, let me let's be hungry again. But but you're not. You know, I still have the habit of accomplishment. I still want to do things, yeah. and you know, I've done. I've been fortunate. I won't say I'm lucky because I worked hard to get it. So I just say fortunate. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I'm getting up to 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 get at it, mm -hmm. and I'm I've done well. Yeah. But like some of these. Musk guys and stuff. These guys were hundred plus billion dollars, two hundred, whatever. Yeah, they're doing it too. So who am I to stop? Yeah, like 
to get to a, a billion's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a thousand million dollars. Yeah. So you could spend a million dollars a year for a thousand years. You're gonna be dead long before that happens. Yeah. But you could. That's a lot of money to be worth a hundred billion dollars. Yeah. But you still get up and you still bust your butt. Mm-hmm. Because I don't work for me. I work for the people who work for me. Yeah. And they deserve for me to accomplish more than just me having a company. They have to get something out of it. I truly believe there's no point in building a business unless the people who build that business with you get something from it. I like it. Other, why, what, what's the, why bother? Mm-hmm. And I think most people who run companies think that way too. Yeah. I, I, I want to believe yeah, that should. anyway. Yeah. I think they should. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly there's anomalies where there's just really selfish people who've excelled and don't care about anybody. But I think that's rare. Yeah. I think most of us want to help the people who help the business grow to get something from it, to share in the windfall. Because mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. Yeah. And also remembering that your, your, your first customer is the people that work for you. Yeah. You know, they're, they're the representation of it. I, I, I literally just asked this on a, a webinar I did the other day, and I said, think about the companies that care the most. Because I was talking about leadership, and I was like, that's a big principle. It's like, you have to care. And it was like, all the companies that people were naming were some of the top companies in the world. And I was like, isn't it ironic that the companies that care the most a lot of times are the ones that, that win the biggest? Like, I, like Apple, I love them because I don't have to argue with them about anything. No. It's like, hey, oh, this broke? Okay, we're sorry. We'll fix it. Chick-fil-A, we don't, we don't argue. No. You know, it's just, <laughs> but there's some companies that's like their brand has been attached to that, you know, not being a great place. I'm like, man, how do we, where are they going to be in the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? Completely. Unless they switch up caring for people like you 100 percent. well it's a reputation i believe with the richard branson philosophy is uh make your people so good that they can leave and treat them so well they don't yeah because that's i mean that's no different than any relationship yeah you know i don't brother cousin friend mm-hmm. significant other girlfriend boy whatever yeah you can treat them properly yeah we all everybody wants to be treated properly mm-hmm. yeah that's true money you got to treat right too yeah because if you don't it'll leave you as well you know? <laughs> quick, <laughs> very, very quick. What, quick. What is uh, what is one of your? Okay, we we say relationships are really important. Is there anything you've done consistently since you've been in business to intentionally develop relationships? I've got good at understanding, empathy, and understanding other people and where they're coming from. And I'll tell you what really um, put allowed me to leap forward in that okay. is when my son was born. I never understood this whole time with the newborn and whatnot. I didn't get it because I never had one. Yeah. I remember one of the guys who worked for me, he's like, my wife's pregnant. Okay, great. Congratulations, whatever. And then, um, you know, birth, he calls me and says, okay, um, baby's born. Uh, I'm out for the next week. I'm like, well, you're not the doctor. What do you need to, baby's born. You're good now, right? Let's yeah. get to work. Yeah. You didn't have the baby. No. Right, right. <laughs> and you're not a doctor. So yeah. she's at the hospital. She should be good then, right? Mm-hmm. And then I had the baby. I'm like, well, we... We're pretty quick back to work, but that's because it's me. But now, like you know, I don't. I, I get it. You want to spend time with your newborn, yeah? Because you're blown away. Mm-hmm. So me becoming a parent made me become a better leader, because I look at everybody as someone's child now. Yeah. And I love meeting people's parents mm-hmm. because it shows you so much of where they came from. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think having London definitely helped, for sure. Because and there's stuff that you just have, like even me, like. Before I was married, I didn't understand the whole, you know, you'd be telling people, oh, it's simple. Just yeah. sit down and read the Bible scripture. You got it. <laughs> right? And then, then you get married, you're like, okay, well, that, did, that didn't quite work yeah. the way I, I thought it would work. And then, and then, you know, now, you know, being divorced and going through that whole process is a whole different thing. It's like, I've learned to, you know, not judge people because, like, so many things can happen. And, and it's, it's kind of like what you were saying. It's like, it's that empathy of, like, all right, you know, it's not my situation. But I can see it, yeah. you know, and and that's something I've had to really, you know, develop, you know. And it's like, and I'm, and I'm still not even great at it. I don't even think, but I'm, I'm, life is teaching me to embrace it. I was at an event and uh, Michelle Williams, she was doing a training on mental health, and I'll be transparent. For me, for a long time, I thought it was just like, a, I mean, God, but just, just think positive. Yeah, you're thinking negative. You yeah. got to think positive, and then I realized it's like really a thing. Yeah. And people really struggle with it, and sometimes they don't. And I had to, I was taken back from that because she asked how many people struggle with it. And it was like, literally, I looked around the room. There's probably like 2,000 people in the room. I promise you, at least 1,600 people had their hands up. 
So it's funny you say that because I, I was talking to my wife about this and my wife excels in how she is and what she does in real life. We were talking about something, just some experience. I was like, well, everybody knows how to do that. And she thought she looked at you, she goes, no, they don't. Mm -hmm. They don't realize what you're talking about. And I forget what it was specifically. It's probably something around recruiting where it was like, yeah. no, they don't. Like, some people don't know how to write an ad for a job board or mm -hmm. don't know how to do a proper interview or whatever, simple things. Yeah. It's simple because I've done it 50,000 times. Yeah. But if you've never done it, or if you've done it twice, or you've done it 10 times and it did bad every time, yeah. or you're afraid to do it at all, so you've never done it, yeah. then people aren't good at it. And you're so focused and energized and good at who you are and able to shove yourself from here to here that you don't realize other people can't. But it's interesting how life is such your teacher, like all of us, mm -hmm. that you've learned that, but you learn by watching it. Yeah. So this is one of the key components to all things in life, learning by watching. Nobody sat you down and explained it to you. You noticed. Some people look in the room and go, oh, there's 1,600 idiots in this room. They just can't go negative to positive. Right. Morons. Yeah. I'm going to go hang out with that 400. Yeah. They're my people. Yeah. But instead you realize, wait a second, a lot of people don't get this. Mm -hmm. That's a real thing. Yeah. So that's you realizing things. Mm -hmm. Some people never realize those things. Yeah. And they never learn by watching. Instead, somebody has to sit them down and shove it down their throat, and they still don't get it. Yeah. I, I always tell people that a lot of times success is caught and not taught. Right, you you got to pay attention to it because a lot of times people think it's like, oh, I could just sit in a classroom and, and learn, like you said, empathy. And it's like something I'm still working on. Yeah. Um, but it's like I'm realizing, because sometimes people are just like, you don't understand. But I'm like, I do understand. I really do. Yeah. But they're like, no, you don't get it. So when you say empathy, is like, what what is that and how did you work on it? Um, empathy is understanding other people's pain, struggle, mm -hmm. and pain and struggle. Yeah. There is nothing more powerful than struggling and going through pain in life. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in an emotionally battered home. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that because it's the only house I ever grew up in. <laughs> yeah. So you don't know. Yeah. You don't realize, wow, this is a show. Mm -hmm. yeah. You just think this is the, the home life. Yeah. Like I literally used to say to people, they're like, oh, I'm going home for the weekend and spend it with my family. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's like a punishment. Yeah. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. The whole weekend? <sighs> sorry. Yeah. And I thought that was normal. I thought everybody wanted to get away from their family. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I got out in the world and got around and moved and traveled and, and lived. And I'm like, wait a second. That's not right. right. You don't treat people that way. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all been told that your net work equals your net worth. And in all my years in entrepreneurship, I've never seen anybody really teach it. You know, a lot of times people look at me and they look at my circle of friends they look at my circle of mentors they look at the people that I'm around. They're like, man, how did you go about building that network? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a skill set that has to be developed. And I literally put something together to teach you how to be able to make the climb as an entrepreneur, as a leader, or someone that's just trying to grow in their influence. Somebody that wants to grow their, their community, their leadership, their income, their mindset, or their brand. Check the link in the description so you can get access to that course and start learning the skills necessary today. How do I attract the people, grab the influence, and grow my brand, scale my personality so I can get the results that I want? All of that's there. Click the link in the description for more details and get access to it today. Um, I really like that. Um, every entrepreneur, I feel like, has a season of greatness, and then you're going to have like seasons that aren't so great, you know? A little tougher. What was like your toughest season? Because a lot of times people talk about success all the time, but like nobody talks about like the, the season that was tough and how they got through it. What was that for you, if you don't mind sharing it? No, not at all. Yeah. Because you're right. Everyone always talks about, oh, it was great. And yeah. It's like people talking about their, their career in high school football. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you didn't talk about it all the time. You, <laughs> you dropped the ball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, years ago, so I was running an organization. We were probably doing two, three million a year coupon sales. Mm -hmm. Buy one, get one free offers. We sold them door to door and mm -hmm. everybody was straight commission. So I was recruiting people to sell straight commission in Atlanta um, and the Olympics were coming to Atlanta mm -hmm. in 96. Well, people were excited about the Olympics in 96 and I already done well. I was the number one office in North America out of about 100, 110. Yeah. Um, I got down to Atlanta and within seven months, we were the number one office in North America again. So, you know, start right back where we were going. Open up a couple locations. We were starting to expand. Then I started noticing, as I'm interviewing people, uh, everybody said, well, so what, oh, you're from out of that? Where'd you move from? Mm -hmm. Wherever. Why'd you move? The Olympics. Like, you, know, you know, that's not for 18 months, right? Yeah. But people were so, I don't know why, the Atlanta Olympics, people were so excited to be here mm -hmm. for that they just started coming in from everywhere. And they immediately got jobs. Yeah. Um, my buddy PJ's brother got a job at, at the Olympics, and he moved here to work 
for the Olympics for three weeks. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, so unemployment went down to below 2%. I would be interviewing people and like nobody I could hire. And by the way, their options were to go work for the Olympics because the Olympics still need more people. <laughs> so I'm, com I'm recruiting against the Olympics. Yeah. So I went from being the top to 60th and breaking even and it was terrible and I couldn't afford to go home at Christmas time. Hmm. So it was Christmas going into 96. I was probably 30th or 40th out of 100. And I got really mad at myself because I started saying stuff, well, I'll try, which that's bad. Mm -hmm. I remember my wife going through bad words with my son and um, try is one of them. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, can't is another yeah. bad word. Mm -hmm. It's a four-letter word. Yeah. So I got mad at myself, not the situation. Now, keep in mind, in... The organization I was within, when I got to Atlanta, there were 12 or 14 locations. I was the last one. Everybody else either moved away or went out of business. Hmm. So I got mad, really mad. So I invited all the, the people in the company in for the first day back. I, we closed down between Christmas and New Year's. And I sat down and I apologized to them. I let them know that I was weak, and that I'd been weak, and that I let them be weak. And it was unacceptable. It was unacceptable for me because I let them do less than they could be. Hmm. And we weren't going to do this anymore. And I let them know. I figured out the average interview that went out in the, the field to look at what we do cost $250. Mm -hmm. So everybody know when you take out an interview, you're taking out $250. Hmm. So if you can hire them, please hire them. Yeah. Because you just spent 250 bucks otherwise. Yeah. And they weren't generating $250 a day for me. <laughs> yeah. So we changed our attitude. I got my head back where it needed to be. By the end of January, out of that 100, 100, 110, we were in the top 10. Hmm. By the Olympics, showed up, we opened up an office. Wow. Eight weeks after the Olympics, we had 45 people selling. And we were the number one office in North America. And we were the number one office every month until the last month I ran an office, except for three. And that was years. Yeah, um, We dominated. Because what I learned during that downtime by being kicked so hard, especially after I'd done so well, rookie manager of the year, manager of the year, you're nobody. What happened? That, that's not fun. Because yeah. I was somebody before, but now I'm nobody. Nobody's listening <laughs> to me. I'm not being invited yeah. to speak. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting a phone call from a soul. Yeah. I'm just not important anymore. Mm -hmm. That hurt. Yeah. I also realized the people I was quote unquote important to, I wasn't. Yeah. Because I was important when I was doing well, but when I wasn't making my ton of money, I was less important. Yeah. That means I'm not important. Yeah, that's true. My performance is important. And it's also important to me. Hmm. And that taught me more, that period of time made me more millions of dollars than anything else I've ever done since. Wow. I like that. Yeah, you're so, a lot of times it's, it's that moment of like, you gotta look within yourself. It's like, yo, yeah. gotta figure this out. Yeah, and it's, it's okay to be angry as long as you're angry at yourself. Yeah. Don't blame other people. Mm -hmm. That's a slippery slope. Yeah. And it goes fast and it's steep. Mm -hmm. And you can blame your parents and your childhood, and certainly all the things within your childhood form things, but it's not a reason to blame it for where you are in life. Yeah. You aren't, you're only where you are up until what you've done till today. It's not a sentence. Yeah. Keep moving. Yeah. Was that, that's that one of my favorite sayings. If you feel like you're in hell, keep moving. Yeah. Why would you stop? Why would you stop? <laughs> yeah, it's too hot. It's too exactly. hot. Exactly. Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, one of my last questions I'll ask you, because, you know, again, it's, it's the, because you just talked about it, the, the wins, the lessons in, in business. How, is there any philosophy with money as, as you're getting it? You know, like, you know what? Because I know for me, first time I started making some money, I went out and bought all the stuff I could never afford, you know. Like, I had to have the rooms, and I, I just, I needed to have everything that everybody said no to, or I had to go put on layaway and stuff like that, and then, you know, you start making money, you think it's going to last forever, and then you realize it doesn't, and it's like, okay, wait a minute. Things have changed, and, and you go through this little, uh, you know, like, roller coaster almost sometimes financially until you kind of develop some skills. Anything you've learned... You know, it didn't have, like, to be an exact science, but when it comes to, like, money management and cash flow as you're building businesses? Yeah, and I, honestly, I did the same thing, too. Sports cars <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's amazing when you have kids how some of that changes around because, like, wait a second. I have to at least get this child set up 
so they have a shot. Yeah. So I got to calm down. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I've looked at a lot of things financially. Um, I have spent no money January, so in, I try to spend as little as money, no extras in January at all. I like that. Um, because that resets me financially for the year. Yeah. Um, Steve Harvey actually did a thing. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched any of his reels or anything. Some of them, yeah. He, really good. But he said in a married couple, you should have four accounts. And I, I think I'd go five, but it's like one's for all the bills, one each that you can just spend, do whatever you want, and one's for savings. But I would go one further. I would do one is for acquiring opportunity money, and mm-hmm. then one's for savings. So once money goes into savings, it never comes out. Got it stays it. there forever. Opportunity money only goes to opportunities. So if it's uh, an opportunity to investment, something, that yep. goes for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then play around money, and then pay the bill money. Pay the bill money, that's the first one. Everything else is overflow, <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. But that's where you gotta start. Mm-hmm. And I've learned this philosophically now. I don't, we, we live a relatively um, calm lifestyle for our income. For sure. So we get a lot of overflow, so I don't have to dictate it every detail all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but we make sure we stay well within our means. Yeah. Um, when we do things to our house, we don't bring in a new loan, we pay for it. Yeah. Because that way we're not increasing debt, which is, you know, home debt's the best debt, but it's still debt. Yeah. So you don't want to increase it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I've seen people do over the years, and it, it breaks my heart when they use basically the equity in their house like a credit card machine. Yeah. That's just bad. Yeah. Now, we stopped paying off our house. We were on track. Like We set up a plan to pay it off within 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then we refied, and we're paying like... 2.8%. Yeah. Like, well, wait a second. If you're letting the market make six times that, <laughs> stop paying off the house. Yeah. Put it over there. Because mm-hmm. you got to make adjustments. But you got to look at it and do what makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't do what makes sense. Like, you did the rims, I did the sports car. We all do stuff. Yeah. A little bit of stuff's good. Because if you do no stuff, that's like eating right and exercising and no cheat day. Yeah. You forget what chocolate tastes like. Well, that's a terrible experience. Yeah. So it's okay to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. But don't make your goals that you wanted to reach when you were broke make you broke again. Wow, that's a bar. The other thing is, <laughs> beware of the monthly recurring charge. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're selling stuff, monthly recurring revenue it's is good. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're buying stuff, monthly recurring charge, which is the opposite, you yeah. know, you're paying for internet, you're selling internet. Yeah. Means I'm getting paid month after month. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. But the monthly current charge means I'm paying a bill month over a month. That's yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. And people don't read all the way through it. Like they buy a car. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Car, car note. Mm-hmm. Now there's insurance and there's maintenance. Yeah. There's gas. Mm-hmm. So you bought, you could afford a $60,000 car. So you mm-hmm. bought a $60,000 car. Mm-hmm. You didn't realize the insurance would be three fifty dollars a month. Right. Well, then you got to repair the car. So now it's out of warranty and that just costs you four grand a year. Yeah. And then, well, the tires are a little more expensive on this nice car. Mm-hmm. So that's another two grand a year. Yep. And then, oh, wait a second, it only takes premium. Mm-hmm. And now gas is, you know, 550 a gallon or whatever. So your $60,000 a year car was actually a $35,000 a year car when you add in all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. You gotta look at everything involved in it. Got it. And we don't, because mm-hmm. we want that car. Yeah. God, we want that car. Yeah. Dream to that car. <laughs> well, if you're just getting started, if you're in year two, year three, year four, and you don't have the car yet, it's okay. Yeah. You don't need the car yet. Mm-hmm. Wait a little longer, you get a better car. Yeah. And as I was many times as I'm building businesses, I'm not the one making the most money. My people are. Because yeah. sometimes that's the right move. Yeah. I gotta make sure they're okay. So oftentimes, I don't even have the newest car. Hell, in my family right now, my 16 year old's got the newest car. <laughs> My wife's car and my car are older than her, yeah. older than his. Mm-hmm. But we want him to have a safe car. Yeah. I know my car's safe because I've had it for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I only and they're terrible to the car. Yeah. Kids are bad for cars. They're disrespectful. Very. So you, I don't need that good a car right now. Yeah. And also like so I'd um, years ago in 04, I had a uh, SL fifty five little Mercedes, mm-hmm. hot little car. 497 horsepower, I think it was 493. Flew, hard top convertible, mm-hmm. sweet car. Yep. I'm driving it and um, the wheels are squeaking, the brakes are squeaking. So I take it in, the dealerships, you know, you check it out for me. Come back like a half hour later, said, Mr. Park? I said, yes. He goes, the problem with your car is you don't drive it. There's rust on the brakes. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh. <laughs> All right. So 
sometimes you don't drive it. Like I only drive 8,000 miles a year now. Yeah. So I'm less worried about the car, but I had to get the car. Mm -hmm. That was then, it's 18 yeah. years later, I don't need the car. Yeah. But the cash is good. Yeah, that's true. And you can do things with cash. Yeah. And I still like a nice car. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite car? If you'd have any car in the world right now. Uh, you know, I, I'm so split on this now. I think I like the Ferrari now. Um, They're beautiful. It's just, you know, if I got my first car that I really wanted, I realized it was like, it's cool, you know, but it's like, it's a car. You know, it's like, exactly. it, it, it's, there, there are moments where it's like, okay, that was cool to pull up and, you know, you got the recognition and all that kind of stuff. But then it's like, man, you know, I, I was just, I was just telling somebody recently, I was like, man, I don't even know if I, if I wanted another car, I don't know what it would be, you know, just maybe just something to switch it up. But yeah. Yeah, I think a Ferrari is not, is really, really nice. I really like those now. They're beautiful. Yeah. My only problem with ever and there's times when I've been looking at them like, you know what, I could do it. Mm -hmm. And then I look at them, I'm like, this Ferrari's eight years old and has, you know, 12,000 miles on it. There's a reason, right? Yeah. There's got to be a reason. Yeah. Like, success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. So does the guy's not driving the Ferrari. There's got to be a reason. Yeah. So that's why I've never pulled the trigger on those. Yeah. yeah. And the insides are kind of, like, basic. You know, that's the, only, that's the other thing. I yeah, was that's, like, Man, that's a lot classic of, look and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm like, ah, no, I need a little TV screen or something. Yeah. You know, something's got to be in there. But yeah, I like that. You know, another car, actually, I just um, was looking at was the Lucid. I don't know if you saw that. The electric that's, car. Yeah. So I put myself on the waiting list. I don't know if I'm going to get it or not when it comes. But I do. I am thinking about uh, an electric truck. Yeah. Just because, especially they're talking about the range being four or 500 miles. I had a Tesla for three years, yeah. and the range was 260, which wasn't bad, it was, mm -hmm. that was enough. Yeah. But if they had a four or 500 mile range, I'd never be low. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like and I like that. trunk space. Yeah, I love it. I miss trunks <laughs> and trunk space. I like it. Where, uh, there's a lot of people here obviously gonna be listening, find you, and you know, there's a lot of great stuff that you put out. Where can people find you? Where, where can they find out about your business, exactly everything you guys do? Uh, well, we're on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, and probably Instagram. I, I don't. I don't do it myself. <laughs> uh, my email is Brad at applicantstarter.com. Okay, perfect. So and, and the easy. business itself, you help people do what? We allow people to outsource all their recruiting. So all our clients do is interview. That's it. We place the ads, source the people, qualify the people, um, book the appointments. Get, set the reminders, provide the software to determine how they get there. We send them directions. We do everything. All the client does is interview. That's it. Man, I I remember when I used to interview. That was that was like all the other stuff. You excuse me, just talked about. That was ninety percent of the work. It's a lot of you work. you know. It's a lot of work. But so, we when you focus on it and that's all you do, man. then and all they do is interview. We 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 do all that for them because our people are really good at it. Yeah. That's all they do. I like that. That's pretty solid. So listen, y'all want to get some recruiting. You want, you got to help grow your team. You know, check out Applicant Starter. Really, really dope. And uh, Brad has a wealth of knowledge. I think a lot of times it's not just about finding a company that's good at something. It's like you also, you're, you're also getting a piece of somebody's mind that really understands it and that's done a lot of stuff. So I appreciate you coming. I actually got something for you. We can uh, no grab You know, it's, it's not anything crazy, but... Anytime somebody comes on the show, crazy's fine. I like you know, crazy. Anytime somebody comes, on, somebody comes on the show, we want to give them some. So this is for you and the missus. Oh, thank you. You know, you guys can sip on that a little later, and you know, there's something to go with it. But just thank at least you. a token of no, appreciation. Thank you so much. And, you know, I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, no, and just sharing the wisdom. And I appreciate even just continuing to maintain a relationship. You know, I think that's important because. It's kind of what you said, like a lot of people just have relationships based on production. I call yeah. it commission ships. Uh, it's exactly. like, we, you know, we're cool. My, my buddy Cameron, he actually said, he was saying, man, we're some people are only cool if you're making them a commission and you're making them money. I'm like, man, that's that's a sad life, you know, if, if I'm only cool with you because, you know, people should grow and they should, you know, continue to develop. And if you're only going to be with somebody as long as they make you money, you're not going to have a lot of relationships. So. Not real ones. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a sad life. Yeah. To your point. Like, it's just, it means you're going into every new relationship knowing it's temporary. Yeah. That's and that's, or the person you're developing a relationship, they figure out it's temporary because you got no buddies. <laughs> you know, I always look at that. I always, I'm always cautious of people when you start talking to them that they don't have anybody that is around them for years. I'm like, that's always like a red flag for me because I'm like, nobody? 
Nobody yeah. likes you from, from a the, decade ago. Yeah, you don't know anybody from history. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And um, I get worried about that. And also, I feel bad for people who everybody in their life is on the payroll. You know, I took the family to see um, Elvis Presley movie. Mm. And the poor guy who I made it 42. He's still the um, number one recording artist in history for a single singer. Wow. He's still number one. He's been dead for 35, 40 years. I didn't even know that. I did not want to watch the movie. Yeah. But everybody in his life was on the payroll. Like he would tell his father to do what it, go do what you do and all that kind of stuff. And Michael Jackson, same thing. Everybody was on the payroll. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you start having pet monkeys and Disneyland in your backyard and doing all this crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, if we did that, we have people in our lives who would call us up going, what are you doing? Right. Chill out. You're being Chill a out. bit of a fool. Yeah. And that's important. It's yeah. important to me. I think it's important yeah. to all of us because sure. you need people in your life who are real. Yeah. to call you out. And you can't have that if you aren't a real human. Yeah. You gotta re be you gotta be real to your tribe. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's big. I appreciate you, Brad. My pleasure. Yes. Enjoyed it. You Thank know, you. I always learn from you. So this is we've got a couple of bars in here, so we'll we'll put it on the gram here soon. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you. All right. Listen guys, we're here to run a play show, we'll give you guys top plays, leadership, business, relationships, all the stuff. Plus a little fun. But y'all just got some plays today. Now go run it. What's going on? Listen, make sure you guys go to runtheplaystore.com. Get your official Run to Play gear. We talk about shirts, socks, jackets for everybody that's run to play all across the world. We're going to run the yeah. play. Let's Do you go. know what it's like to come for nothing at all? But every day you just wanting it.